Today, we're talking about the barbell strategy, and we're not talking about weightlifting. We're talking about a philosophy for investments, life, and how to budget your time and manage risk. Welcome to the Mission Daily. I'm Chad Grills, joined by Stephanie Postles. Welcome, everyone. Let's dive into this barbell strategy. So the basics of it are you want to take about 90% of your portfolio, 90% of your time, your assets. You can switch out these words with just about anything, even 90% of your hobbies, and put them into more traditional, non-volatile investments. And meanwhile, take about 10% of your portfolio or time or things like that and invest those into risky asset classes or pursuits that have a huge potential for upside, gains, excitement, and things like that. So that's the general principle there. So maybe an example is just from an investment perspective, you take your 90% of your money and you put it in maybe passively managed index funds or really low risk bonds or even like cash. And then 10% of your assets are going into very risky things such as maybe cryptocurrencies or um, startups or you know very high beta stocks. So things like that as just like one example. This is not investment advice and the mission does not condone or support any type of specific investment strategies. We do not cl- make any claims about investor gains or realize Blah, blah, yeah. Oh my gosh, I thought you actually no, no, had I, all yeah, that memorized. I, no, I, d- I don't have anything. I was trying to freestyle a uh, terms and conditions. That is great. Don't listen to us. <laughs> don't try to invest based on what we're telling you. <laughs> That's our disclaimer. Which is, is a shame that you have to have disclaimers around everything these days. But there are some exciting developments in the investment world in terms of it's easier to become an accredited investor now to invest in more risky assets like startups. And I think the criteria are you need a combined household income of $300,000 or more for the last two years, or else a personal net worth of assets excluding your home of a million dollars or more, uh, or just be a de- uh, an institutional investor, which I believe is the definition of having $5 million or more under of assets under management. I think, I'm not sure. And the other interesting thing is that there's some companies right now who are looking at tests that people can take. So you might not have you know, that much money, but maybe if you know a certain amount or have a certain level of competency around investing, that you might actually be allowed to invest in certain um, assets where normally the individual can't do that. So I thought that was pretty interesting, but yeah. we digress. So back to the barbell strategy. So where did we fir- where did you first hear about this? Nassim Taleb, uh, I think the black swan or fooled by randomness, he uh, started to bring it up, maybe anti-fragile. And it's a strategy employed by many hedge funds. I think Taleb's fund, I'm blanking on on the original name, but they employed something similar. And it's generally a philosophy of keeping yourself and your assets protected, alive. It's not being, you know, it's not a call to just choose things that have are not interesting or boring or anything like that. But it definitely is a call to just think a bit harder about where you're investing your assets of time, money, attention, things like that. Yep. And I think the fun thing of how we're kind of moving this episode is that it can be applied to other areas of your life. So although many people talk about the barbell strategy in a pure investing approach and they all relate it back to Nassim Taleb making money during the financial housing crisis because he had that approach where even when the market was moving up, he might've been losing little bits of money, but then when it took a big downturn, that's like when he made all this money when everyone else was losing their shirts. So I think we're kind of maybe approaching it from how to apply that to your whole life as well as investing. Yeah, I think the holistic approach to this is the best way to think about it because it's not something that you want to 
again, like apply everywhere, but it is one mindset and philosophy to keeping your toolkit. Because ultimately when you're engaged in pursuits, you want to hedge against anything going wrong in the future. And you don't want that to consume you, but you also want to free your mind so you don't have to worry as much about things. And that's one of the biggest benefits in my mind anyways, and one of the biggest value propositions of this strategy is it's a way to get peace of mind. And so when we talk about like hedging risk or anything like that, there are many different ways to do that. And one way to hedge against risk is to collect information that's at the forefront of industries, whether that's like the communications industry or machine learning. And it's why the Mission Daily is brought to you by Twilio and the Twilio Signal Conference. And we're going to be there on October 17th through the 18th at the Billy Graham Civic Center in San Francisco. And we'll see you there. Yeah. And as we talk about the barbell strategy, there are a number of different people outside of Nassim Taleb that have critiqued it and present different examples of it to help illustrate the concept. So just think about, this one's from Warren Buffett, but he says, when you build a bridge, you insist that it can carry 30,000 pounds, but you only drive 10,000 pound trucks across it. And the same principle works in investing. That's a great way to think about it, is you don't want to aggressively stress test your entire portfolio. You don't want to push things to the limit all the time, because otherwise that's you're going to find the limits. You're going to run up against them. And sometimes it might be catastrophic. Yeah, such a great point. So another way to apply the barbell strategy and think about it is in marriage or a partnership where one spouse can take the much, much riskier path while the other one makes conservative bets. And this is something that we've personally done that I highly recommend for anyone that's interested in getting into entrepreneurship. I don't know if we actually knew we were doing it though until we heard of Nassim Taleb's barbell strategy and we're like, wow, this sounds pretty similar to our relationship. Yeah, I think that's an interesting way to find things generally through play and discovery and what if questions. So the reason that we got there was because we were both asking what if questions. There were a lot of platitudes going around about, oh, nobody should start a business or you should only do this or your spouse should do this while you do this. And meanwhile, we said, let's just try this. Let's try a couple different approaches. And with you having the more conservative career path, that enabled me to bet very, very aggressively with a bunch of different things. And the resulting amounts of information that I was able to collect, synthesize, and then reincorporate into our mental models for decision-making and stuff, that flywheel just kept accelerating and accelerating. And I'm so glad we did. And it's kind of relaxing too. And you can breathe a sigh of relief when you do encounter a great thinker who helps put language and fit a narrative to what you're doing. And I think as humans, we always crave that narrative and reassurance. And when we did find that terminology for the barbell strategy, it was a way to get peace of mind and get confirmation that, okay, we're not crazy. This isn't a stupid idea. This might actually be a great way to yeah, capitalize on things. Yeah. And I think it helped it helped me let go too. From the beginning, it was pretty hard where, you know, I'd be going to the traditional nine to five, making like the normal salary, investing in index funds and, you know, in my retirement fund, our retirement fund. And you would be putting all your money on these risky bets and companies that just IPO'd, you'd be putting money in the stock market on them. And all these things I had never heard of, you were just throwing your money into like learning new resources, assets, and how to do certain things. And at the time, I do remember feeling pretty um, nervous about it just because I didn't really understand, here I am taking this very secure, safe path for us. 
and you're just going wild over there. And then once, um, like you said, the language came out and I was able to kind of view it in a way that, hey, you're you're taking the big risks right now so we can have a bigger payoff later on. And so you can acquire more knowledge in a year than anyone else can in maybe like 10 years if they do the more traditional path. And I'm talking about myself. And so now it's just very easy to view it in that way where you kind of need to free up your mind and say X amount of dollars every year. I'm 100% okay with losing it if that's what happens or knowing that it could pay off and have exponential returns. Yeah, I think that practice of just getting comfortable with having money one day and then not having it the next, but having new information and insights or pain. So there were plenty of times where, you know, making a foolish consulting hire or trying to get someone's help on something it's easy to feel as if you got burned. And at the time, that's how I felt in certain situations. But in retrospect, it was actually just the price of doing business. You know, that's kind of a stupid cliche, but it's an eye-opening experience that helps spur you on to greater insights. And it's one of those things where getting comfortable with a feeling of being exploited is important because then you get to step back and analyze, okay, was I being exploited or was I just naive? And in many cases, people stop when they feel like they've been exploited or taken advantage of for the very first time, instead of getting the requisite information and really analyzing what caused that error in judgment, what caused me to be so greedy that I thought I could get an incredible return for not a lot of risk or, you know, caused me to be so on, you know, thinking that basically arrogant thinking that I had all of the information, all of the perfect knowledge in a new market or a new type of thing that, you know, I honestly didn't know anything about at the time. So this is a great way to get to know yourself, get to know your faults, your shortcomings, and then either reinforce them or just bet all in on your strengths. Yep. And I think a fun thing to also remember is that just because you start out in one category where, you know, I was the very safe one, risk-free, thinking about how to keep all of our assets safe and you were the more risky betting on big things, moonshots type projects, you don't always have to stay in those buckets. So over time, I have seen us kind of go back and forth between at a certain point, I'm the one looking at, you know, investing in cryptocurrencies that I really wasn't 100% sure what was going to happen. And you were taking the more conservative approach of, okay, well, I don't understand enough about that yet. So I'm going to hold back. So I do think you can kind of flip roles throughout a relationship, which is great. You never get stuck in one category. I think as you build up your knowledge base and tolerance for certain types of volatility and change, you can then take on more risk. You can take on more what other people anyways would ca- would categorize as risky bets because eventually your the information you know hits a threshold where it's not risky and you just realize that wait a minute, I have I found something here that nobody else has appropriately priced into the market into this situation. And that's where it gets really exciting because you can, it sounds like, you know, if you're doing this and I'm doing what I'm doing, that it's a 50-50 breakdown. But in actuality, it was more like a 90-10 type risk profile at first. And then over time, it's, I would say, moving much more into a 50-50 type thing where 50% is in very, very conservative type bets and 50% of our time, resources, and effort are in things that are highly volatile But now that you and I are doing them on a daily basis and recognizing some of those gains, it doesn't feel that way at all. It actually feels pretty, pretty safe. So So that means maybe we need to find riskier things to start betting in again. (laughs) Our portfolio has become like not diversified how we want now. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely interesting because your definition of risk changes the more you can uh, live, breathe and and swim in 
in that. And what's interesting is that everybody has a, de a different definition of words. And I think that Confucius said the beginning of wisdom is to call things by their appropriate names. And you never know how people define words until you get out in the real world. And again, we are going to be on location at the Twilio Signal Conference. I can't say it enough. The mission is going to be there. Twilio is our sponsor. We're super proud of them. We're super proud of the company, what they do. And we like mission-driven companies that facilitate a change that's going to be good for the world. In Twilio's case, it's communication. It's connectedness and being able to share information very quickly. It's why your Lyft app works. It's why it takes you around. And it's why a bunch of the different apps on the home screen of your phone work so well. So head over to signal.twilio.com and use the promo code MISSION20 at checkout to get 20% off. Or you can check the show notes. And I believe we have a link there. Yes, we do. And one other thing I wanted to point out too, when we were just doing talking about relationships and investing, another good idea that I just thought about was viewing your career or job in this approach as well. So you might be in a very traditional nine to five job that is pretty safe and secure. You're not worried about losing it or anything and taking 10% of your time each week, even if it's on the weekend and betting it big somewhere where the only thing that you really can lose is maybe a little bit of money and your time, but you're betting so big in that 10% of your time on the weekends or you know late nights or in the mornings that something big could pay off there while you're still holding down your comfortable job, getting a salary and being able to afford your life. Yeah, and this can include taking risks inside the company that you're in because there are definitely risky things like reaching out to different VPs. But if you have a good reason of doing that or reaching out to the CEO or so, someone like that who you want to connect with, if you have valuable information, I think that too often people inside a company don't speak up enough and they don't take advantage of flatter organizational structures where people have open door policies. So if there are people and executives inside your company that do have open door policies, that 10% of riskier things that you do that are more volatile, that can be a part of it where you can strike up those conversations. And yeah, some of them might not go well. They could even go so poorly that somebody doesn't recommend you for a promotion, but you're not gonna find out. And I think that chances are people are so desperate, especially leaders, to find anyone with initiative and integrity that they'll probably just you know, embrace, embrace you, you know, pull you in, wanna promote you. So that's one more idea on how to apply it. So thanks so much for listening today. And that's the barbell strategy. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.